Good morning and welcome back. I am super excited about the book of Romans. We are beginning um, a brand new study, a brand new reading of of the book of Romans. And um, I'm, I'm super excited. This is more of a theological book. Um, it's written to um, the followers of Christ or Christianity in Rome. Um, and we're going to start off in chapter 1 here, and let's read. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Um, so we see here in the very first verse, the author of the book of Romans, which is Paul. Um, and Paul was mentioned back in Acts, um, Acts chapter 9 where Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ um, and that forever shaped and changed the course of his life. Um, so he is chosen to be a leader, a pioneer, and to preach good news. I want to point out good news. The good news is always Jesus Christ and that Jesus has the ability to save you of your sin, cleanse you, and make you right with God. Not through what you do, but what he's done on the cross. Um, the finished work. Um, he pleased the Father, lived a sinless, perfect life, rose from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of God in heaven right now. Um, that's good news. Um, so reading on verse 2, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. The good news is about his son, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So right there, it gives reference, it gives honor to where honors due, and it, it, it shows the good news um, was confirmed. Jesus' life, and everything he said was confirmed when he was raised from the dead. And the tomb is empty. Um, that's a very, very key component in the Christian faith. Is that Christ, our, our Savior, is risen. He's alive. Um, very few religions have um, a God that claims to be alive. Um, so, verse 5, through Christ... God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Verse 6, and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So we see right here, the book of Romans, we see um, in verse 7 who it's written to. Um, it's written to everyone in Rome who is loved by God and called to be his own people. See, one thing that we have to understand is God has a specific chosen people um and that that's what paul is writing to those people who 
um, are aware of God and have, you know, been called to be his own. Basically, Paul would go and offer them Christ. And those who are called and chosen um, would be given the chance to respond and obey, basically, it said in in verse 6, or 5, excuse me, so that they will believe and obey. Um, and that's what makes you a child of God. Um, back in my first, I started in the book of John, in the very first chapter, verse 12, it said, to, the, to those who have believed him, those he gave the right to become the children of God. Um, so we see the purpose of the writing here. The book of Romans, everything we're going to read, um, who it was written to. And it's very important to keep Scripture in context. I want to make note of that when you're reading things. Now, we can take personal application from a lot of things in Scripture, but we need to, we need to really keep in context who it was written to, why it was written, kind of find the purpose and the reason in it. And then there are certain things as we're reading through that we can apply the truths of what's being said to our own lives. But we don't need to repeat and try to do what someone has already done. Um, because Paul was called and appointed for this. It does not mean you are. So don't try to imitate uh, what someone else was called to do. Um, because that was a specific purpose for the life of Paul. But there are, I want to say, there are theological truths that we can take from Scripture as we're reading through Romans and we can apply them to our lives. We can see, you know, kind of the context in which they're used. It's important to gauge that. Otherwise, the danger in reading Scripture without understanding is that you'll come to a place of extremism. Um, and you'll think that you need to do exactly what, you know, you're reading. And that's not the case. So I just wanted to make that note. Um, we're going to read on at verse 8. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. Um, we see influence right there is what Paul is referencing the influence that they are having. Um, verse 9, God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. So right there, verse 12, we see what, what Paul wants to bring them. Um, Paul wants to bring them encouragement, um, you know, and obviously teach more teaching, instruct them, and just really tell them you're doing a great job, you know, keep, keep going. You know, don't give up, don't lose heart. Um, but that's the spiritual gift. The spiritual gift um, is encouragement. And we can give that, guys, see, that's a truth right there that we can take from Scripture. And we can apply that to our lives, that we should be encouragers. Um, we should help people. We should, you know, tell people that we're thankful for them. Tell them you appreciate them. Don't expect people to be mind readers and, 
and know what we think and what we feel, tell our wives that we love them and we wouldn't be who we are without them. Tell our children we're proud of them and that they're doing great. You know, encourage them. That's a spiritual gift to, to spur them along in life. We have to communicate that um, as believers because thinking it is not enough. We have to speak it. Um, so verse 13, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. Okay, so Paul is saying he wants to see spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit is when we allow the Spirit of God to take residence in our heart and our life, when we believe in Jesus, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. And what that looks like, you know, it's obviously different for every person, but I'm just going to use my own life, for example, um, is the the Spirit works in my life in a way that, that leads me to be more selfless, think about others before myself, um, really love and care for people, um, be kind, forgive, um, and I am constantly in peace. Like, I, I have had a peace with me since the day I have met Christ um, that has has stayed and taken up residence with me. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, long-suffering, um, self-control. Those are spiritual fruits. And those are the evidences that God is working in your life. Um, so verse 16 one of my favorite verses. It's a very, very powerful verse. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person... All right, I'm sorry about that. Somehow I got disconnected um, on my podcast, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, Paul says. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Um, Paul gives a universal invitation right there. And that there's such a deep truth in that that sixteenth verse, um, where Paul he's not afraid of the the good news about Christ because he knows that there that that's where the power of God lies. Um, when you choose to believe in Jesus Christ, his sinless life, that he can remove the stain of sin and shame off of your life, to where you can have a brand new life free from your past, free from the control of what other people think and pleasing people and and just living a selfish, prideful, trying to build your own kingdom out of toothpicks and Elmer's glue. He can 
rescue you from that. He basically saves you from yourself and your own destruction. Um, and he says that when you believe in Jesus, that's where the power of God is at. And, and this is accomplished by faith. Faith is a belief in something. So you place your belief in Jesus Christ. And as you stay consistent, steadfast, and obedient to what Scripture says, it is through this faith that a righteous person has life. Um, so it's pretty, really important truth right there. Um, verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth. They push it down or push it away by their wickedness. So it's their actions that um, angers God. So there are many people who say they believe in Jesus. There are people in churches all around. Um, there were people back here in Rome when Paul wrote this letter um, where he showed that God's anger is against sinful, wicked people who oppose Jesus as Lord and King and Messiah and Savior. Um, people resist that. And you can say you believe in Jesus even with your mouth. Um, but suppress him with your actions. Um, so it's vitally important that your 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 actions match your words. There has to be both of those in order for that faith to be real. And that's how you can you can measure your faith um, by that. So verse nineteen, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So right there, Paul basically takes away every excuse you have. I mean, if you've seen a sunset, if you've seen a sunrise... If you've seen the ocean, the tides roaring in, if you've seen a beautiful mountain um, or landscape, or if you just pick a leaf up off the ground and you look at the detail, that detail is God himself made and engineered every single aspect of life. And Paul breaks the legs out from every Roman citizen that heard this message or, or read this letter, so to speak, um, because he said, if you see creation, you see God. Um, you have to recognize um, why all of this is here. You know, who made it? There's obviously a great mind behind everything. And he said, just when you see all this, you see God. So you are left without an excuse. No more excuses. Um, verse 21, yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They wouldn't recognize that life came from him because of their own pride and their own selfishness. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Alright guys, this is an important truth that we could take from scripture because Paul gives us a truth right here of what's happened to people. Um, and these people... You know, there's evidence here that these people started off in a good place. 
Um, but they thought they were the ones who were means of their own success. You know, everything good they have was by their own achievement. See, everything, guys, we have comes from God, period. Okay? And, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So what that says right there is God was nothing more than just a figment of their imagination. They made up in their own minds who God was and how he works, what he does, what he'll let them do and what he won't let them do instead of, instead of reading scripture, which will tell you very clearly who God is, who Jesus is, what he done, what he wants you to do. See, guys, it's very important that you stay rooted in Scripture because if not, this is going to happen to you. This will happen to you. You will make up um, a false idea, a figment of a God of your own reasoning that's not according to Scripture. Um, God will become a means of gain for you, and you will turn... God into whatever you want God to be so you can do whatever you want to do. I want to caution you there because Paul Paul shoots an arrow right at it here. He addresses it plain as day. Be careful. Um, verse 22, claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. Um, 23, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles, objects. They start to worship things of the earth, houses, money, cars, everything that's shiny. Um, when you get your eyes off of God and onto worldly things, listen, God is not concerned with making you comfortable here on earth. He's not. He's concerned with building character and teaching you life lessons that will last for all eternity. Guys, you have to know the true God. That's the true God. Okay, God does not care about money. He cares about character. And many times all money does, the danger in money is it removes problems that develop character. It removes opportunities for struggle and suffering. Those are key ingredients Um to to glorify, you know, beauty. You know, I have suffered greatly in my life, whether it be losing my dad when he went to prison um or by my own stupid choices um and leading into addiction and whatever else or making bad decisions or hurting people I love. You know, all those things caused a great de deal of suffering in my life. But that suffering, now that I no longer do those things, Man, life has gotten so wonderful. But I don't think I would know this had I not suffered the way I did. You know, so um, before Christ, before God, you know, I didn't know what I know now. You know, but now that I know what I know, I'm accountable to hold fast to the truth that God has revealed to me. Because God only reveals himself to those he chooses to. Um, so guys, don't ever make up foolish ideas of God in your mind. Um, so God abandoned them in verse 24. We see God abandoned them. He left them and he let them do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Um, and if God leaves you, that is a scary, scary thing, guys. 
I would never wish or want that for anyone ever. If you have a genuine, true, sincere relationship with God, you need to do what he asks of you. Um, because the things he tells you not to do, he tells you for a reason, because he loves you and he wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have a, a life of quality um, and substance, enjoying things with values and morals and ethics. And he wants you to have that fruitful life. But it says, verse 24, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Um, and in today's world, there are a lot of shameful things going on. I mean, if you have a wife and you are looking at other women, shame on you. You should be focused on what God has given you. And you should, you know, there, there's a great danger when you get your mind on things you don't have. And you start to focus on them and obsess on them. You know, because you're taking your focus off what God has given you. If you have a wife, you know, because if you claim to be a Christian and you commit adultery, man, that is a detriment. And, it, and God can abandon you because of that if he chooses. Um, so be careful. Don't participate in any pornography, any of that, you know, things of this world. Let them go. Um... As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen, Paul says right there. I love that. And caution yourself. Look at your own life. Look at your own walk. Have you traded the truth about God? What is the truth about God? That he delights in suffering. That he loves trials and afflictions and he brings them into your life to develop character. Is that the God you know or do you believe that God is only a means to gain and to, to get the things you want? Because you could measure it real quick if you're honest with yourself. Um, and it says right here that they worship creation. They worship the things of this world more than God himself. So are you, are you worshiping? Are we worshiping the things of this world, creation? Or are we worshiping the true God? Um, verse 26, it says, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Why? Because they wanted, thing, they wanted comfort. They wanted the good things, the, the big houses, the, the money, you know, the things while they're here. Um, even uh, that's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Um, so we see lesbians right there. Uh, verse 27, and the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned for lust with each other. Men did shameful things with other men. As a result of the sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Okay, so they perverted creation right there. Women burn with other women. Men burn for other men. Okay, now if you've done this prior to having your eyes or belief in Christ and the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in your life, you are forgiven of that. In Christ, if you have a true encounter with Christ, he will set you free. Listen, he will set you free from all sexual sin. 
That is what Christ died to do, is set you free. If you are not free, you're not experiencing the fullness of Christ. Um, you know, and, and, and if you are saved and walking with Christ, you don't have a license to sin anymore. You lose the ability to choose, to willfully choose and make a conscious decision to do things that hurt other people. Um, that's not what God stands for. Um, so we see right here that, and this is prevalent in today's day and age, man, where you see the, the LGBTQT, gay everywhere, gayness everywhere, all the, the disgusting, vile sexual content on TV. I mean, it's everywhere in our faces. And, and it's this is a direct result of serving creation and wanting creation more than God himself. Um, so you could see this in a personal effect, and you can see it in a corporate effect over America. Um, verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things they should never do. Their lives became, listen, this is what happens whenever God abandons you. It's, it's real, you can find it. You could see it in people's lives. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. All right, what is that wickedness? Sin, number one. Greed, number two. Hate, number three. Uh, jealousy, number four. Uh, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Talking about people. Um you ever been around those people who, who point out all the wrong, the bad things in other people just so they could feel better about themselves? Take note of those people. Stay away from those people. Um, greedy people. People who are uh, talk about money. Be careful if, if you come into contact with anybody. I don't care, Christian, non-Christian. If they have evidence of greed in their lives where they're talking about money, trying to raise a bunch of money, Though danger, you know, red flags, you have to pay attention in today's world. Verse 30, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, uh, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. Uh, verse 31, they refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. Um, guys, we got... I mean, and they're not going to have all of this, so you have to really be able to to see and pay attention, guys, um, because they may only have one of these qualities. Um, and I'm not saying that the, there's a big difference between something you're struggling with and trying to really work through versus willfully um, doing these things. Um, verse 31, they refuse to understand, break their promises, they're heartless, and they have no mercy. And the problem is, is when people are doing this, they are not even aware of it themselves. Um, but we have to be able to pick it up. Verse 32, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Okay, that brings chapter one to a close. Um, we're dealing with some issues. We're dealing with some tough stuff here. Um, and I love that about Paul. He went right at it, man. He didn't cookie cut. He didn't cower down. He knew God. 
God had chosen to reveal himself to Paul. Um, I believe God has chosen himself to reveal himself to me. Um, but if I were to veer from the path um, and, and choose all the things it listed here, sin, greed, hate, jealousy, God can abandon me um, and leave me. And, and I would enter a place of delusion, denial, you know, thinking I had it right, thinking I was so smart and, you know, I was God's gift to people. But no, that's not the attitude. You know, I, I know nothing outside of God and all of my wisdom, knowledge and understanding and where I'm at is solely because of him. And everything I have in my life, my wife, my children, I value so dear and near to my heart because they are a gift from him. And I would never be where I'm at without them. Um, so I take that serious. And I also take very serious bringing God's word to you accurately in context um, and really just talking through things. Man, this is important. And we need to know that, you know, if you know you're doing wrong, the definition of sin is when you know something's wrong, yet you still do it. That's sin. Okay, and it says that right here, they know they're doing wrong, but yet they do it anyway. And worse yet, they even encourage other people to do it too. Um, so guys, it's really awesome. We're, we're getting ready to dive into some amazing things and really get to know God um, from the Word. Knowing God comes as a result of reading and studying His Word. And, and that happens through the Holy Spirit. Um, so I love you guys. Thank you guys for joining. Um, and I look forward to teaching this book of Romans and, and really just digging out some stuff here. So I want to say I love you. Appreciate you all. And God bless each one of you.